This is Bert Bollinger, editor of Hardwood Floors Magazine. Today we have Michael Martin and Chris Sizza on the phone, and we are going to talk to them about what's going on in the world today. Thank you, Bert. Uh, this is Michael Martin on the phone with Chris Sizza out in, uh, where are you at today? Are you in Vermont or are you in Massachusetts? Uh, we are Boston bound today. I'll be back in Vermont on Wednesday. Gotcha. First, I thought we were on Friday last week, the uh, U.S. Small Business Administration came out with the Paycheck Protection Program loan forgiveness application. So I wanted to talk a few minutes about that and then talk a little bit about uh, our call last Thursday, if that's okay. Yeah, sounds good. Bring me up to speed, too. Okay. So the loan forgiveness application came out on Friday. The form and its instructions inform borrowers how to apply for forgiveness of their PPP loans, because there have been a lot of questions about that since the loans became available. And so there are some regulations and guidance to further assist borrowers. And the form actually has uh, four different things in it. Um, there's several measures to reduce compliance burdens and to simplify the process for borrowers. We talked a little bit last week about, you know, people that are under $2 million are probably not going to be audited. So that came out a little before this guidance, but they're really a little bit separate in conversation. So the, the main things that came out of this were options for borrowers to calculate their payroll costs using an alternative payroll covered period that aligns with the borrower's regular payroll cycles. Flexibility to include eligible payroll and non-payroll expenses paid on incurred during the eight-week period after receiving the PPP loan. Step-by-step instructions on how to perform the calculations required by the CARES Act to confirm eligibility for loan forgiveness. That's the important. And borrow-friendly implementation of statutory exemptions from loan forgiveness reduction based on rehiring by June 30th, which we've also talked about before. That was part of the guidance coming out originally. And then uh, the last part is an addition of a new exemption for the loan forgiveness reductions for borrowers who have made a good faith written offer to rehire workers that was declined. So let's start with that last one. Basically what they're saying is that they understand that there may be some people that were employed that and were put on furlough who don't want to come back. There's part of that is, is included in the forgiveness that you may have people that don't choose to come back. So it's hard for you to meet those numbers on what was on April 20th versus what's on June 20th. So they're making an exception there, but basically it comes in the form of a letter from the employee saying that they turned down employment. And for those employees that choose to do that, they also need to remember that, you know, if they're offered their job to come back, they have to go back. They can't just stay on unemployment once they've been offered their job back. So I think there's a lot of people out there who may think that they could just stay on unemployment. And I know that some have asked their employers to just leave them on unemployment through July if that's possible. But that's a real, that's kind of a sticky wicket to, to you can't work that out both ends. So that's kind of a cautious place. But for what I understand on the new guidance has come out, and this isn't all the guidance, there'll be more guidance in the coming days. Um, but on the forgiveness part, the application really, you should get information from your bank and it'll probably be the standardized form but it needs, you need to see what your bank, if the bank gives you just the SBA form, then that's all you need to worry about. But it, the loans came through those banks. And so the banks may have some input as to their particular loans that you'll also need to seek guidance for. So that's really the big SBA update today. There are forgiveness documentations out there now. Um, but again, look to your bank for that. So at this point, I'd like to go back to last Thursday with you, Chris. Um, last Thursday, we did what we've been doing for the last six weeks, which is to do a call with uh, we call it Thought Leader Thursdays, and we have different types of uh, member calls. We have one for our manufacturers, one for our distributors, one for our retailers, uh, one for contractors. 
And on the last contractor call, um, you spent some time kind of going through the difference between some of the tools that you use for measuring margin. And that sparked a lot of questions. And I think you've received some follow-up since that call. So I was going to use this opportunity to kind of cover uh, cover a little more of that in detail, if you can. I, I definitely can. And it was a great call last Thursday. We talked a lot. It was funny. I want to, I actually want to start off with this. So there's no miscommunication out there, but there we were talking about margin and assumed margin and what, what would be a good targeted margin, I guess. And I made a statement about, you know, 40% margin is a standard business term. And Kevin Mullaney backed me up on that saying, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, that's a good target. That's in every business, not just Harvard flooring, but we were right smack in the middle of this conversation. And Lenny Hall wants to know if we're in breach of, have that right, Michael? Yes, that's correct. Info at nwfa.org and ask for uh, a copy of the real answers job costing spreadsheet. And we'll send it out with no instructions, but actually a little note in there that if you have questions, here's a guy who created it. And, you know, you can talk to him on your own or talk to us, talk to me and see how to drill it into what works for your company. But here's the example. I'm going to describe it as best I can since it's a podcast. But, you know, you got your standard knowledge in there, your customer's name, your work order number, an invoice number if you're using this on the back end of a job because this tool can be used in two different ways. If you use it after you've completed the job to see how you did, great. You're going to have your work order number, which for some of you might be your estimate number, and you're going to have your invoice number and see if they are the same because sometimes there's changes on a job. But then you start entering the things. You know, what crew did the job? How many guys are in the crew? How many days were, was the crew on site? What was the, rate, the labor rate? If they're a subcontractor, you're going to put it in the subcontractor column. And if they're payroll, then it's going to go in the payroll column. And then the type of crew they are, are they an install crew? Are they a sand and finish crew? And then the square footage. Each of these columns then drill down to the bottom. For example, total number of days the crew was on, and then total number of dollars in the payroll and total number of dollars in the subcontract. Realize there's those two different columns because a subcontractor doesn't have the same fees as a payroll employee, and this spreadsheet addresses that. So as you drill down lower on this um, through the form, when you get to the bottom, there's two more boxes, and in those boxes we have cost for a vehicle per day, insulation supplies, sanding supplies, urethane supplies, that all totals out to what we call a sundry total. Your payroll employees and your subcontractor totals are going to end up in a labor cost box. And then the last one is the materials, the vendor you bought it from, what you bought, how much per foot, how many feet you bought, that cost without tax, because that's going to be your hard cost. Then you're going to fill in your sell price, and that will automatically computate in the next box 
what your tax burden is. When that's all said and done, the four, the, the four boxes that get totaled out are your sundry total, your labor cost total, your total material cost, and your tax burden. And that fills out the last column, which is all your cost. Then you, you simply go to the invoice, see what you charged them, type in that number, and boom, it puts out the dollar amount your profit was and what the gross profit was. And here's how we use it as a tool, guys. If you've already done the job, that gross profit, you're hoping it's somewhere north of 30, north of 40. That would be fantastic. You're doing great. And you don't need to check your, you know, you don't need to check backwards and see where you're wasting money or where you're not, you know, where you're paying too much or not charging enough. Don't, don't know which. That's how you use this tool after the job. Now, if you're like me today, I had two projects that my office and I punched all the assumed costs into this formula and what we thought we were going to sell it for because I gave the customer a verbal quote of, about what we're thinking and that customer said, well, that sounds kind of high. So we went in and punched everything in and it's a 2,700 foot job. It's COVID time. So I get it. I'm going to have to discount a little because people are expecting it. Everybody's super sensitive on costs right now and price. So we started playing around with the numbers and lowering our cost and seeing what it did to our job profitability. Here's why this should be important to you guys. If you're using this sheet correctly and the gross profit margin is spitting out numbers in the teens, this is a danger zone because using standard business sense, you're probably not going to have any profitability left over to cover things that you might not be calculating for, or God forbid, an unseen expense, like there was a problem on the job and you have to do it over again, or you broke something and you got to pay out of pocket. You know, all these things need to be thought about when you're pricing a job. You don't want to say, ah, we got it for 20 grand and the job cost me 19 grand. I made a thousand bucks and I paid myself my payroll. We're doing okay. You're not building a business there, man. You're just surviving at that point. And I want you to build a business. I hope that makes sense to you guys out there. I'm not saying gouge because nobody should be out there gouging because you know what a successful career is? Charging the right amount of money to have a nice business that stays in business, that affords your employees to have a good life, you have a decent life, and your customers can afford to pay you. That's the formula you're looking for. And in, normal, in the normal business world, 35-plus profit margin tends to get you there. And that's why everybody's usually targeting that 40. And if you have a product, you know, a specific task you do that, you know, you do it better than everyone else and you charge more and that happens to be a 50% profit margin on that one product, that's great. Maybe it's scare, scare treads, you know. Then do as many of those as you can to help offset the times when you're not getting the right profit margin. And so anyway, Mike, I get off on a rant there. But... That's what the dialogue's been going back and forth and back and forth 
five or six of us have been emailing back and forth talking about these things and their models. So I know a lot of guys are working on their models and their pricing structure. And I put one of the models in there that was filled out and I got a phone call from someone saying, that's only a 21% margin. What are you talking about? Um, you know, you're out here preaching 40% and there's 20. And I said, I was using the formulas to see how low, if I matched what the builder wanted for a price, what did it mean in the profit margin world? And when I put everything in there that the builder wanted to pay, how much he wanted to pay, it was a 21% profit margin. Now, do I want that job at 21%? I suppose I want it if we don't have any other work. Um, but 21% for, for on a regular basis is a, is a formula for some hard times, in my opinion. That makes sense, Mike? It does. I even followed it. And I was on the conversation on Thursday and was a little confused. So I think you did a great job explaining it here. Um, I've, I fully understand it this time around. So for those of you listening, you might have to listen to this again after you see the spreadsheet or, you know, it's just it's just really good information and an easy way to kind of look at how you do your business. Exactly. And the other thing is a couple guys have been doing the garbage bag test. So when you when you do, if you do see this form in its current state, you're going to see there's a sanding supplies line. And in my in mine, I've got it at 27 cents a foot for sanding supplies. And below that is a urethane line. And the reason I have that there is because if they're using oil based poly and that's so inexpensive compared to a commercial grade high level water base. You need a different line item. You can't just lump that in with sanding supplies. You know, you got to keep them separate. So because if you throw in, here's an example. If you threw in boner traffic or basic coating street shoe uh, or Loba, those are three really good high-end water bases. Well, you compare those to any one of those three manufacturers who make a residential level water base as well, half the cost. So you can't be calculating for a higher end water base when you're going to use a lower end or you can't calculate for a lower end water base and then throw in the high end and expect to make the same profit because you're not. And that's what this tool does. And it's been a long time since we've used it. And um, because of the downtime at COVID, we've been digging into some of our old computer files. And um, I came across this spreadsheet and I said, wow, we haven't used this in a while. And uh, we've revamped it, and we're still plucking away at it. It's going to be perfect in about another week. Um, burn rate, for example, is a dollar amount you put on top of your cost that things that you're not calculating for. When you go do an estimate, you know you're going to charge them for the wood. You know you're going to charge them for the nails. And you know you're going to charge them for the sandpaper. You're going to figure that in your costs. But are you figuring the tires on your truck? or the gas in your truck, or the cost of the insurance on your truck, or the cost of the insurance for your team, as well as the electric bill at your warehouse, or the mortgage or rent at your showroom, all of those other costs that you're not thinking about, you got to put a percentage number in there. And there's a way to do it, and we're working out the details on that, too, because everybody's going to have a different burn rate. I've got 16 trucks going out the door every day, and if you've got three, we don't have the same burn rate. 
And if you have 30, we don't have the same burn rate. So um, it's exciting, Michael. I'm telling you, when you run your business this way, you can talk to a customer with confidence about what you're going to charge and why. And believe me, when you talk to a customer with confidence about quality and why the price is what it is, it, it becomes a point of being comfortable and then they want to do business with you. But then follow through on the other side, guys, because that's how you get to the next job. And um, I hope this is helpful, guys, because this is some good stuff. And it's worth slowing it down and paying attention to. So if you want to listen to this again, I would recommend it. Or when we put the sheet out there and you want to talk, reach out. Because what we're trying to do at Real Answers is help you guys understand how to get to the next level and how to get to the end of your career and turn around and go, that was fun. But more importantly, that was profitable. So have a great day, guys out there. Uh, Michael, I'm good. You got anything else for today? No, I think that was great, Chris. Thank you for your time as usual. And back to you, Bert. Well, Michael, Chris, thanks for your time today. And thank you to the listeners out there for joining us. If you have any topics that you want us to cover right now, please let us know. I've put my contact information in the podcast description, and we look forward to your input. And as always, stay safe, and we'll talk again soon.